This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. Hey backpackers, this is Bird Shooter, and tonight we flash back to 1995 to speak with Black Sunshine, a through-hiking companion of mine that I met on the Appalachian Trail during our hike the previous year. I spent a month hiking with Black Sunshine in the state of Virginia, which accounts for one quarter of the miles on the AT. In this time, he and I got to know each other pretty well, as through-hikers do, and ended up hiking most of Virginia together span of about four weeks. We stayed in contact after our hike and were able to connect for this interview in Charlotte, North Carolina on March 5th, 1995. After a weekend traveling with my roommate's band, crashing at College Formal and uh, doing this interview. And we even managed to squeeze in a hike in the nearby Uori National Forest and reconnect as through hikers often do. But you will not hear me in this podcast. For a change, you will hear my guest speak solo and candidly on the highs and lows of the journey. Uh, Black Sunshine tells us about his winter start, the Virginia Blues, and his eventual foot north to escape the brutal southern heat and humidity. He also shares some personal tips for enjoying your hike on the AT. This is the second in a flashback series where we speak with 11 prospective thru-hikers less than six months after their attempted hike to honor the 25th anniversary of our attempts at the AT in 94. Uh, you can clip to episode 41 for a compilation of these discussions, or you can check out Trail Days 2019, the podcast, to learn more about the annual event. That said, here is episode 63 in Black Sunshine. I'm here with Bird Shooter. And we're talking about our trail experience. The things I remember about Georgia is to me, and I guess it's, it's different for every different hiker, to me it was the prettiest state I went through. And all the states were pretty. But it was the time of year I hiked in Georgia. I hiked in January. And we had, after the first day at Springer when it rained, I had 14 days of sunshine. 15, 60 degree days and like lows in the 20s at night. But that was perfect. I mean, the wintertime, I didn't see anyone. It was just me and a buddy. And I, Georgia was just pretty. It was a beautiful state. I love the, uh, the rhododendron tunnels near Trey Mountain. A lot of people will know that have hiked the trail will know what I'm talking about. Uh, the Galax, the little kind of blood purplish looking um, plants that grow along the side of the trail. And I didn't see a lot of other states didn't look that way. North Carolina did. But that's what I remember about Georgia. And the newness. I had this adventure in front of me. You know, it's like every day was a new... I, I don't want to sound stupid, but Odyssey, waiting to, well, like, every day I woke up, what does today hold? But I guess that about sums up Georgia. My favorite, the favorite shelter for me, and the way, the favorite way for me to sleep at night along the trail, depended on the weather, the insects, and the crowd, and my mood. It, a lot of times I could stay in a shelter, but a lot of nights I had to stay in a tent. And it just depended on how I felt. 
if I wanted a little time to myself, I liked to be in my tent. I tended to sleep better in my tent at night because I didn't have the distractions of the shelter. Someone getting up and rustling around, you know, to use the bathroom or do this or do that. Where when I, in a shelter, a lot of nights I wouldn't sleep really sound. But in my tent, I could zip my tent up and I was out. <laughs> so I, I tended to, I prefer using a tent, but you have the drawback of carrying it. Yeah, and I, I hiked part of the trail without a tent. And I spent some nights out in the rain, <laughs> wrapped up in a plastic sheet. But that's part of the experience. So. A lot of times you can tell a thru-hiker just by looking at them. They have a certain look about them and a certain way of just dealing with the woods. I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's one of those things that are instinctive. You, you come to notice it. They're usually have a real unkept look about them. You know, the guys will have have a beard. You know, the girls will have hairy legs. And the, where a day hiker, a lot of times, you can tell they look fresh. They look like they're going to work, you know. Where thru-hikers are just a motley-looking group. And they're real loose. Thru-hikers, you can tell a group of thru-hikers because they're so close and loose and the way they talk and interact with each other. I'd have to say of pure enjoyment, as far as what type of wildlife I enjoy the most would be the birds. Because I used to love in the morning when I would first awake to sit and listen to the birds in the woods. You know, you could just sit there and relax and it was totally, it would totally encompass me. I wouldn't even realize I was laying in my tent or laying in the shelter. I'd be, I would be somewhere else. So I guess if I had to choose one, one animal or group of animals to have on the trail, it would be birds. The least were I guess off the top of my head, I'd want to say mice, but I didn't really have, I didn't have a lot of problems with mice. The mice were there, but if you took the ba most basic precautions, you didn't have a lot of problems. Um, I would have to say animals. I don't know if an insect would be considered an animal. Um, yeah, I'm not a, insects are beautiful creatures, but they're not, I could do without them sometimes. You know, <laughs> you know the black flies, that was the most irritating. When I guess not a true black fly, it's like a gnat. I don't know, about a sixteenth of an inch long and they fly in a cloud, you could have anywhere from 10 to 100 flying around your head. They are the most, one of the most aggravating experiences, I believe, on this planet. But other than that, I, you know, the animals have... I saw some bear. see a bear. I saw a bear. I had five different um, experiences this summer with meeting bears. And it was always... You always get that anxiety. And I don't mean in a bad way, because you're just, you don't expect it. And you're just, say, a lot of times, one mem I remember one morning I got up and I was walking, I was in Maine, I was just walking along, I was in my own little world, you know, doing personal inventory, I used to call it, just thinking about things, and I walk around the corner and there's these three bears standing, you know, and it's just, that's an incredible experience, because that's not something that we tend to see in everyday life, you know, I see deer, I see mice, I see squirrels, I see snakes, but bear, no, that's a totally different experience. My fondest memory of, of North Carolina and Tennessee would have to be, oh, it's so much there. Uh, the Smokies, that was beautiful. Some of the scenery there reminded me of, I've been out to New Mexico and done some hiking, and some parts in the northern part of the park where you really got away from um, Clingman's Dome up towards um, Interstate 40, I felt like I was alone. I was doing some hiking by myself then, and I really enjoyed that. Elsewhere in North Carolina and Tennessee, uh, what else did I? so much in those states. I enjoyed Roan Mountain. I enjoyed Roan. I hiked up. I did. I was not hiking with anyone that day when I went up Roan, and I just spent the whole day up top. I got up about lunchtime, 
I hiked down to the south end. I spent the whole day on the mountain. It was just great. Uh, North Carolina was more populated than I expected it to be. There's a lot of wilderness there and a lot of national forests, but there's a lot of, a lot of people in North Carolina. Compared to Georgia, Georgia seemed more remote to me. But it's, both of them are beautiful states. Yeah. Thinking about Virginia compared to some of the states to the south, I'm from Virginia, so I, I have already done a lot of hiking in Virginia. Places like Mount Rogers National Recreation Area, it's very special to me. I go there. In fact, I just went last week and did some day hiking. It's There's no other place in, in Virginia like that. And But other than that, Virginia to me, felt like home because I'd spent a lot of times in the mount a lot of time in the mountains in Virginia like in Shenandoah National Park and and south of there. I remember the heat in Virginia. It was it was warm. It was warm in Virginia, the whole state. Uh, I I'm a kind of person I like I I don't like the heat personally. I mean, I can deal with it. So it was I was having a lot of motivational problems then, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't going to leave the trail, but I was not enjoying the trail, and a lot of that was because of the heat. It became, um, a lot of the days became like work because I knew I had to deal with that heat factor in the middle of the day. In fact, I can remember some days that Bird Shooter and I would get up at 4.30 and 5 in the morning and, you know, skip breakfast and just hike till about 9 or 10 just to, to, to rest during the middle of the day to try to escape the heat. But Virginia, I'll tell you what I do remember. It started, Virginia was a, for me, my experience on the trail, socially, I'm, I was with a group of people then that we were really doing a lot together. There was a lot of partying going on. Uh, it was a big group that went into Rusty's. You know, it was a big group in Pierceburg. I mean, Parisburg. And it was a social scene for me, Virginia was, compared to the, some, like Vermont, New Hampshire, which was a lot more personal time. Virginia was a rolling party, so to speak. <laughs> but I made a lot of good friends in Virginia, and I always remember them. Uh, as far as the Virginia Blues go, I think I had... I had, I would say I had a case of the Virginia Blues, and I think a lot of it comes from you're at a point in this journey where you're really into it. You've been out on the trail, say for some people a month, some people a month and a half at this point, maybe, well, even two months, going on two or three months. And your motivational factor, I think, and this is not true for everyone, but for some people, it, the, the trip has lost its newness at a point, you know. It's not, you're, re you're really into this trip now, and it's not, You've got to find the deeper meanings for why you're out there hiking. Because, to be honest with you, some days you'd like to get up and not hike today. It becomes like a job. You have to get up and you have to make a, you have to make a certain distance today. You know, you've got to do these certain things. And after a while, some of that can start to become a chore if you're not careful and don't have the right mental attitude. And I think I, in Virginia, I started to question, especially with the heat, you know, am I really enjoying this? You know, this is more like work. But you have to, for me, I had to look at it in the, the bigger picture and understand it was part of the journey. You know, this is the lows. You, you, when you climb up on top of the mountain and the clouds are in the valleys, you know, and the, the, sun's, uh, the sun's just cascading down the sides of the ridges with shadows and everything, you feel like a, a million bucks. You know, nothing, nothing can surpass that feeling. But you, nothing's for free in this world. So in order to experience those experiences, you have to pay. And for me, Virginia was a lot of pay. You know, to me, I don't know. It just was heat, and I didn't feel like... A lot of times in Virginia, when I did walk out on a ridge line with a beautiful view, and it was so hot, I didn't really enjoy it. So I guess I did have the blues, and a lot of people, hikers with me, we would gripe, and I, I feel guilty now, and I feel... Um, I just feel that we were griping, and we had a very special thing going on there. I mean, we were experiencing this journey. We were, weren't really working. You know, we were doing whatever we wanted to do for six months, and here I remember I was, and certainly some of the people around me, we were griping about it. 
And I guess that is human nature. But looking back on it, I wish I could have stepped back from that a little bit and not let the problems seem so overwhelming, which they weren't. It's just like anything else. Any, if you've got a day when the, it's really hot, it's going to pass. There'll be good days. When the, if the insects are really bad, you know, there's always tomorrow. So for me, I had to work on my personal attitude and kind of look at the bright, the bright side of things instead of looking at the negatives. As uh, far as hitchhiking, when I, I hadn't done, I had not done much hitchhiking before I uh, started hiking the trail. And at first, it was awkward because I was not used to it. I wasn't used to people going by and looking at me and passing by, and I know they had room in the car. And I always, for me, I'm always wondering what people are thinking. So when that person rides by, I am, I'm like, what is that person thinking about me right now? You know, who is this character? Which, for Appalachian Trail through hikers a lot of the people around the trail areas know that the hikers come through there. So when they see you on the side of the road, they're more inclined to pick you up than say if you were somewhere else. But um, I got, hitchhiking became after a while, uh, it was just like anything else, you know. It was like cooking, cooking breakfast or eating supper. It was a necessary thing and you wanted to go to town, you know. So when I came out to a road, it was no problem at all. And um, actually I tended to enjoy the conversations that I shared with people who gave me rides. Because sometimes it would, I would think the people that would have picked me up wouldn't, and someone that I would not expect to pick me up would pick me up. And I'd have the most interesting conversation with them. They, you meet, some of them would go out of their way to help me. They'd drive me around town and help me do all my chores before they took me somewhere. You know, and I know they had other things to do, but they took time out of their schedule just to help me out and spend time with me. And that teaches you there's a lot of good people out there willing to help. And now, when I'm driving a lot of times, and I, I guess in today's society, people are scared a lot of times to pick up hitchhikers. But when I see someone hitching now, it's a, it, even if I'm busy, it's an internal struggle for me not to stop and pick them up, or at least unless I just don't like the way, get a bad feeling about it. So it's definitely a, it's, I've thought about, I've never, I had never thought about hitchhiking across country before this trip, but as I think about some trips I want to take in the future, hitchhiking may, may be a mode of transportation to take them. So it's definitely changed my attitude about it. <laughs> Um, money. That's the eternal question. Uh, I spent more money than I'd planned on speaking, uh, planned on spending. Generally when I plan, I tend to um, plan very efficiently and think I'm going to live very Spartan whenever it comes to, like if I'm going to do this for a weekend at home, I can say, well, I can spend this amount of money and set it aside. And it seems like I always tend to spend more. So I spent more than I'd planned on, but I'd had the money available. And far as an amount, I'd say I spent about... $3,500 this summer. A lot of it was, blo was blown. It was just blown. I'd go into town. Um, I'd get two six-packs of beer. You know, I didn't need two. I didn't need... One would have been sufficient. One beer would have been sufficient. But that's not in my nature to do that, you know. I'd go and eat, like, twice what I needed to eat. You know, and it was great. But I would sit there and I'd be, have eat, I would have eaten so much that I felt sick. But I'd do it anyway. And then three hours later, I'd start thinking about it. I could eat again. Because you've been in the woods for, like, a week. You've been eating pasta and instant grits and beef jerky. And when you get into town, you're like, I want a greasy burger. I want some ice cream. And you're going to go get that, if you're like me, because I'm, I'm very impulsive. So, And another thing is, when you're with people and other people are doing things, it'll suck you in. Because they'll go to do something you didn't even plan on doing. That's going to spend a little bit of your money. And if you were by yourself, you wouldn't do it. But when the group's going, these people you've been hiking with all week, you're going. You don't, you don't care. You know, at least I didn't. Because for me, I was, this was just a total, for me, a vacation. And I, 
I spent more than I'd planned on spending, but I said, you know, you're out here to enjoy this. And for, I think in some ways for me, it was an outlet to maybe get some of those so-called Virginia blues out when I could go and enjoy myself doing something. So it, it's a little, almost like a little carrot on the end of the stick you can kind of give yourself. Like, well, if I hike this many miles, I'll go to town and give my, treat myself to this. So, um, But I think if I did it again, I'd like to do it without spending the amount of money I did. I think I would, uh, I would make myself stay to a budget, you know, more directly than I did the first time. But I don't have any regrets, so. Typical trail day. A lot of times my, a day would, what I plan on getting accomplished in that given day, would a lot of it would depend on how soon I just, I'd left town and how soon I was going back into town and what I felt was along the way. Because every day I'd have certain expectations from from reading my maps. I'm a, I'm a map freak. I take a map and I just pour over it and I want to know what's in this little notch, in this little nook and cranny. So if I had something that I felt was a highlight that day or two or three highlights, I was like almost like a little kid going to the amusement park. I'd wake up and it'd be on my mind all morning. I'd be ready to go. Where a day where I felt was just going to be mundane and just like getting from point A to point B, I maybe would have a less enthusiastic outlook. But a typical day would probably be I'd get up somewhere between 6 to 7. And for me, I love coffee, so I'd immediately put some, put some hot water on to make some instant coffee. Uh, at some point in there, I'd make breakfast and start to get packed up and get on the trail hiking. Now, for me, every day could be different because I could get up some mornings, especially if I was by myself, I'd be packed up and walking by 7 o'clock, 7.30. But if there was a group of people in, in around the shelter and we were laughing and joking cutting up and really not showing much motivation I've seen days I didn't get out of the shelter till 11 I've seen days I never left the shelter at all had all these plans you know and by two o'clock it was obvious I wasn't going anywhere <laughs> but it, I would take lunch at some point along the way and late later late into the afternoon at some point depending on the weather and the heat a normal day I'd usually hike to about three or four o'clock and if I was with a group of people, we'd probably be going to the shelter. If I was alone, I'd be looking for that campsite I wanted. And I'd make camp and cook supper and then just kick back. If there was people around, we'd sit and talk. And if I was by myself, I'd probably read and go to, go to sleep. Sleep usually came pretty early for me on the trail, usually 9 o'clock. 9, nine 10 o'clock, I was asleep. I think I, I think I personally had more sleep on the trail than I've ever had in my life. So... Um, but as far as a typical day, there is no typical day on the trail for me because the, the trail can be whatever you want it to be. And if you're a very regimented person and there's nothing wrong with that and you get up and say, I'm going to do this today, this tomorrow, and that, then you can do that. And it can be very organized. Or I'm very impulsive, so I could get up and say, I'm going to do this today. And I could end up in town before the day is done, you know, taking a break. So it just depends on um, the group. And some groups were different. Some groups were more a little more organized, and they tend to stick to what the plans they've made. Other groups were very impulsive, very spontaneous, and somebody would have a wild idea and go do it. You know, you'd find a place along the trail you wanted to just take a break, and before you knew it, that ended up being campsite. Could you stop, you took a break, it was a swimming hole or something, you never left. As far as the number of people that begin the trail as opposed to the people that finish it, I think a lot of people really don't know. I know I'd, I'd done a lot of backpacking, so I had an idea what I was in for, but a lot of people just don't understand what, what long-distance backpacking requires, and it's not the physical aspect as much as it is the mental outlook, because when, you, when you're hiking for a weekend, 
you know, you're, you've worked all week or something, and you're, you're ready for that break. You're ready to get out in the outdoors. And by Sunday, you like you don't really want to go back home and go back to work. You know, but you go home and you, you get back and you get the hot shower, you get the hot meal. Well, when you're on the trail five or six days, you don't have those things. And you really have to become accustomed to doing without the luxuries of life. And you think they don't matter, but they do. When you wake up and want that shower, you want that shower. When you get tired, when, like me, I'm a coffee lover. By about the fourth morning, you are sick and tired of that instant coffee <laughs> you're making. And I think um, physically, I didn't have a lot of problems. I, I had some minor problems, but it's nothing that I couldn't overcome. But mentally, that's where I think people run into the problems. It just wasn't what they thought. They thought they could ba backpacking, like when you go out for a weekend, would be great. I'd love to do this for six months. And what happens is that after, say, three or four weeks or even two months, they're just they're not enthusiastic about it anymore. They're like, I can't see doing this for the next four months. And personally for me, I didn't finish the whole trail last year, you know, for some personal reasons. And it's hard. It's hard because a lot of times when you're hiking through, say, a, an area where you have the Virginia Blues, you think, oh, I can't wait to get up to Maine so I can see how pretty Maine is. And you forget to just take the time to see how pretty Virginia is. And, but it's part of the journey that keeps you going through the bad parts of your trip because you know it's part of an overall, uh, the overall symmetry of the trip. You know, it, would, it would not be the same. But um, I really have a lot of respect for the people that hike the whole trail in one consecutive trip. You know, starting in Georgia and pretty much staying on the trail, it, you know, relatively staying on the trail until they get to Maine. I wish I wish my trip had been that way because I've got some portions of the trail I haven't finished now. I plan to go back and finish, but it's not the same as one continuous journey like a lot of my friends, including like Bird Shooter, experienced. Best trail experiences and worst trail experiences. Well, this is tough. This is like, what's your favorite food? I don't know, I don't know. I can probably start out with the worst, because the worst really stand out in my mind. <laughs> As compared, the good ones are all good. But um, my worst trail experience was at a shelter. Well, I had two, really. The first one was at a shelter south of Bland. Um, I think Jenkins Knob. And uh, we, uh, it was a Saturday. Yes, it was a Saturday night. And we had hiked in. And I was not using my tent then. In fact, I didn't even have a tent with me. I was staying in the shelters or just outside when the weather was nice. The bugs there were so bad. It was mosquitoes, gnats, and some other type of biting fly. And I, that night I did not sleep. I didn't sleep at all, I can be honest with you. I, I laid down about 10 o'clock, and finally about 4 I got up and packed all my... Uh, at that point I was saying junk because <laughs> I was not very happy. Packed all my mess up and started walking because it, it was just mentally I was just tortured it seemed like. you know, I don't have a very high threshold for pain or <laughs> or... Um, inconvenience when it comes to that. That was probably one of my worst. The other one, and this is um, this is a little more on the personal side. I had a bout with uh, <laughs> a fungal infection in Vermont. <laughs> that was um, just because of not being able to stay clean. And I guess maybe looking back on it, I could have made the effort to stay cleaner than I did. But up to that point, I hadn't had any problems. Just you know, taking like a quick splash at a creek or wait until I got into town to take a shower. So I just, I guess my personal hygiene habits weren't that great. I don't know of many through hikers that their personal hygiene habits were that great. So that made um, Vermont, although the state was very pretty, it made Vermont very um, aggravating at times because it was um, dealing with that. But we'll leave that one at that point. Best experiences? Oh, there's, to me, there was two types of experiences on the trail. One was the personal enjoyment of backpacking and being in the mountains and experiencing experiencing what I do when I like to go hiking. The, 
the beautiful things, the moments of insight, as I call them. A lot of times when I'm hiking, I have, a, for me, a, a revelation, I might want to say, or something I've been thinking about that I really couldn't quite figure out or come to a complete understanding. And, and through the relaxation of hiking, it'll dawn on me. And the other one is the social, um, social scene. The, the trail's very social. Um, I can remember some, like, some, like at Rusty's Hard Time Hollow, that was definitely a little mini-series in my trail episode. That was uh, definitely a very enjoyable. There was a lot of people there, a lot of dynamic of different things going on and different personalities, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, as far as personally, uh, the hiking, some of the mountains in Maine to me, were very moving personally. I did a lot of my hiking in Maine while I was with the group with two or three other people. We didn't hike together during the day. So, um, like uh, Bald Plate, people that are through hike will remember Bald Plate and Goose Knob or Goose Eye, south of the Bigelows, and the Mahusics. They were, those were, it was very tough hiking, but I enjoyed that thoroughly. And it was a good time for me personally on the trail. I think. To give, to give someone that's going to through-hike advice, I think giving advice about a through-hike, I think you could give planning advice. You could give what I call the hard essentials, uh, uh, things to do with planning like food, gear, um, food, gear, things like that. When it comes down to how you're going to do your through-hike, I think that's, that's every individual is different. And the things that work for me would not work for someone else. Um, I would maybe share my experiences of how I dealt with this either equipment problem or like as a say the the dilemma of whether to carry a tent or not there's a lot of pros to carrying a tent to me personally more than the than the um, cons but you can do it either way and that's something you have to work out for yourself because for me everything I planned on the trail ended up changing or evolving into something different after I was on the trail but you have to plan you have to plan like hell to ever get it off the ground and but once you're on the trail just flow for me because that's how I am. I'm just just be flexible. If you're not flexible on the trail, you're in for some very um, very agonizing moments, because conditions on the trail constantly change. Um, you can you can do it one or two ways. You can flow with them, or you can keep one thing locked in your mind and push for that one thing, and you can still achieve that one thing, but it's gonna become a lot harder as conditions change. Either maybe your food outlook or the weather. Um, just just go do it. I guess basically, like they say in the night commercial, just get out, get out and do it. Because just plan like hell, get your money straight. Uh, you need to have some money, uh, unless you want to finance it off your credit card, which I know a lot of people do. <laughs> but the thing about a credit card is, it's a it's a beautiful instrument. But a credit card, you tend to spend money too liberally because it's not actually there in your in your hand, and you'll spend ten here and fifteen there and twenty there, and you don't even realize it. Where if you budget yourself, say with a money order or with traveler's checks and you have this much money to spend in a given time period, you're much, your money management is, is much better. Um, most of all, anyone planning a trip like this, just get ready for an experience. And for me, the one thing that I knew I'd make a lot of friends and meet a lot of people on the trail, but after I was out there, how close you get to people. And for me, I had to, I had to um, what's the word I'm looking for? Leap? What do they call that? When, you, when I left, I had to leave... Um, Harper's Ferry and jump up to Vermont. Leapfrog. Yeah, leapfrog. And at the time, I left because of the heat. But later, it worked out it was best for me because I had to end my hike early. And so I was able to hike Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine, where I wouldn't have if I had stayed with the group of two hikers I've been hiking through Virginia with. But when I left those people, at the time, I thought I was ready to go to Vermont. 
And when I went to Vermont for the first week, it was great. And Vermont was incredible, but I really missed the friends I'd made back in Virginia. And you never stay with the same friends. You know, it's, the, the trails are constantly, I call it a revolving door. You know, because you'll meet somebody and you'll hike with them and they'll go out the other side of the revolving door. And a month later down the trail, you walk around the corner of the shelter and someone's sitting there, you know, someone and you haven't seen in a month. But I really missed, missed that group. Just like I said, just do it. Do it and be flexible and be ready for one heck of an experience. I don't know what else I could say. Just get out, get out and do it. Because it's, it takes time and it's something if you think about, you'll just keep thinking about it and thinking about it and you'll say, well, I can't really take time to do that. And I know a lot of my friends, not my personal friends, but more of like business associates and relatives, they really didn't understand why I wanted to, they, they, they liked the idea of what I wanted to do. It was romantic to them, but they didn't, understand how I could take six months out of my life and just do this. He said, well, you can't live that way. You can't live without taking a shower. You can't live without that and live without this. And it's hard at times. But um, to some, one thing that you do anyway, and everyone's going to do it when they, they romanticize hiking the Appalachian Trail, and you can't help but do it, you know. It's like first time you meet, you meet a woman, you're going to be, you know, your mind's racing. It's all these things. You're so excited. It's like a kid when you're going to the amusement park. But the thing about the trail is at the end of the day, the, you know, you don't leave the amusement park and go home. The trail is your home, and it's got some, it can be very lonely, it can be very frustrating, it can be very aggravating at times, and, but by the same token, it can be very pleasing, very stimulating, very rewarding at times, but you got to pay to play. So. <laughs> Did, did the hike change my attitude about others? And I think it did, but it's a very, for me, it was a subtle thing. It's, I think you learn things about yourself, but it's not something you realize right off the, right away. And it took me, it took my hike ending and getting away from the trail to realize how I was thinking and what, how I had changed during the trail. I didn't realize how I had changed while I was on the trail. It was after I was back home that I changed, um, that I realized the changes that had happened. As far as attitudes, I've always been a pretty accepting person, and I really don't try to prejudge people. But the trail really gets you where you just, because you take everyone as everyone in like they are. You don't really, I didn't really, didn't, I didn't before, and I really don't now look at gender, so to speak, or color, or position in life, you know, because everyone you meet on the trail is a new friend, it's a new person, a new experience, and you're very open to it. Where in society, a lot of times we're not, I think it's just because of the time constraint. We don't have time to, and we don't have time to invest in getting to know this person in society. We're on the trail. You've got all the time in the world. And it made me, a, it made me more accepting of people, but I didn't realize that at first. It's only after I've been back that I've really noticed any more. It doesn't really matter who a person is or what they, what they are, where they're coming from. I can't say I had any broad revelations. I've been at a... I've been at a point in my life where I haven't really been sure what I wanted to do for, la for about the last two years, or well, two or three, really. So for me, I was hoping the trail would kind of answer some of those questions for me. And deep down, I knew that it wouldn't answer the questions. You know, it would make me more open to what's going on around me and maybe make me think about some things. But I guess I have more questions since hiking the trail about what I want out of life, how I want to organize my life, how involved I want to be in society in certain ways and how involved I don't want to be in society. But the trail, for every question it answered, it asked too. So 
what did I learn? I, I think one thing I learned was about goes back to being the social aspect of the trail, how, how important people are to me. Because as I get older, we all need money, and I love, I love money just as much as the next person to go do what I want to do when I want to do it. I love to get in a new car and drive it. But it made me realize how important people are. And it made me maybe think later in my life, I want to get into working directly with people. Um, either, I don't know what, in what capacity. But that's the one thing it taught me, how, how important relationships are. Because a lot of times we don't take the time to foster relationships between people in our society now because we're, we do, but it's so rushed. It's only with work and with maybe what we do for recreation and our immediate friends. And on the trail, you just meet so many people. And you get to know each other, and you're very open. Most people are very open. They share things on the trail. And there's no, no, none of that, I call it, I want to say, um, defensive armor a lot of times we have in society. You have nothing to hide. This is who you are. This is what you are. And people really don't judge on the trail too much. They do, because we're human beings. We're going to do that. But it's pretty open. So that's one thing I learned, just to value the, um, value the relationships I have with people. Because in the end, that's what we've got. You know, when, however old, if I live to be 60 years old, if I've got a trillion dollars, that's not going to make me happy in the end. But thinking back through the years of the relationships and the time I've spent and shared with people, the memories and the bonding, so to speak, that, that to me is what will be important. And I want that to be rich. You know, I'd like to be. I would prefer to be rich in both ways. But if I had to choose, I'd rather be rich in, rich in people than rich in money. Hmm. What do I miss most about the trail? You know, these are very tough questions. Very tough. I miss the freedom. Uh, freedom to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And it's, I'm going to use the word irresponsibility there, and I'm not going to use it in a bad way. Because the trail can let you be irresponsible, except for the immediate needs you have. You know, if you wake up in the morning and you want to hike 20 miles today, you can hike 20 miles. If you get up and want to hike five, you can hike five. Now, if you start hiking five miles every day, you're not going to make it to Maine in the summer. That's just that that's just the cold, hard reality of the situation. But I miss the freedom, the spontaneity, you know, to do whatever I want. And it's been hard sometimes when I get back because sometimes I get urges. I want to do this and do that. And, well, I can't because I have the constraints of work, you know, and budget and things I have to get done in a given week. I miss that, and I miss the people. I made some really good friends. And the friendships on the trail, they're a little bit different than the ones you make in society. Uh, you 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 bond in a certain way and you're experiencing the trail together and it's a certain give and take a certain share of ideas of experiences on the trail and when you're back home your friends i mean i have just as good of friends back home but what we share and what we do with each other and the things we talk about are different and i miss that i miss the trail the trail social i don't want to call it scene because that that often that almost belittles it but it's i miss it i miss the relationships and the give and take between people on the trail because as far as the hiking, the hiking was beautiful. But for me, I can go out and hike in the woods behind my house and a lot of times see the things I saw on the trail in a lot of areas. I mean, there were some very beautiful places on the trail. I don't want, I don't want to give the mis, uh, misconception that it's you know, just like anywhere else. But to me, the trail, the most important thing about the trail to me that is the journey and the social interaction. I think that's what I miss. What I remember about Vermont... Well, for me, I left Harper's Ferry about the first week of July and went to Vermont. So for me, it was an instant climate, change of climate. I was used to like 100-degree days and 85-degree nights in 
in Harper, south of Harper's Ferry. And when I got to Vermont, I could actually put my pile sweater on at night. You know, so that was, for me, liking colder weather, I enjoyed that. Um, Vermont, I didn't meet as many people in Vermont, and I went back to doing a lot more hiking kind of by myself in Vermont. And it was all new. Everyone up there I didn't know. So I was meeting new friends in Vermont. Uh, Vermont was a pretty state. I enjoyed swimming in the ponds. I enjoyed the Long Trail Ale at Sherburn Pass. I'm a beer lover, so it was it was nice to roll in there and have some have some good amber <laughs> amber beers. Uh, New Hampshire, New Hampshire was a pretty state for me. The presidentials were were hard, and when I went through, I didn't have a lot of good weather. Um, in fact, from the whole presidential range, for me, I hiked in the clouds, and I enjoyed staying at the huts. That was a different experience. But to be honest, I was ready to get out of the White Mountains and get into the Mahusics. Uh, New Hampshire. Otherwise, I enjoyed New Hampshire very much. Not as much as Maine. To me, Maine is is its own part of the hike, you know. But Vermont, New Hampshire, I was in, becoming very anticipating because I'd always been anticipating the whole trip because I'd hiked in the southern mountains, but I'd never hiked in the northern mountains part of the trail. So I was like, "What do these mountains up here look like? You know, what is this ravine? What is this ravine going to be like? What is it like to hike on this type of slope?" So it was all new. And I was anticipating Maine at that point, so. My favorite state was Georgia. Not only was the most beautiful, but for me, my hike in Georgia was very, I was hiking with a friend, part of it, and then I hiked alone. And I hiked through Georgia in the wintertime in January. So I didn't see anyone. I mean, we went eight days on the trail and didn't even see a person. So um, for me personally, it's my favorite because I spent a lot of time with myself and the the woods in winter to me are just beautiful and i had like two weeks of sunshine and it was the beginning of a journey and everything was new you know every day was like new everything unfolded like i remember we were on um we were just north of um bly gap near muskrat creek shelter and i remember uh, we me and a buddy of mine were walking out in the woods and we see this, these white pieces of metal over on the ridge and we go hiking and it's where a plane had crashed and we spent like two hours just going through this plane crash, looking at things, talking about what whoever was flying this plane must have thought in the last moments of their life. To me, it was totally unexpected. And Georgia was like that. Every day was something different. And I was the journey was so new, I wanted to explore. So if I stopped for lunch, I'd take an hour and walk off the side of this hill and just explore. Where later in the trip, I found I wasn't doing as much exploring the and, and sightseeing in nature as I was spending time with people. It was more of a people aspect. So um, Georgia's, Georgia's favorite, and Maine is definitely, who can say Maine in one of their most favorite parts of the trip? Maine is just so beautiful. Um, the hiking's hard. The Mahusics, to me, were the hardest part of the whole hike, um, the portion I completed anyway. But um, they're beautiful, uh, beautiful. And Katahdin, you really, Katahdin stands alone. There's no other. Katahdin, for me, was a mixed bag of emotions because I, was, I hadn't completed my through hike, and, but I wanted to hike Katahdin while I was in Maine. You know, I did, I, part of me wanted to wait until I could finish everything and come back, and that be my final part of hiking the Appalachian Trail. But another part of me, I guess I should say the conservative side, was worried that for whatever reason, some unforeseen reason, I would never get back to Maine. And I was right there, so I went ahead and hiked Katahdin, and it was a lot of other thru-hikers hiking that day. So for me, I wanted to be, I wanted my journey to be where their journey was right now. I wanted this to be, I planned on it being an accumulation of finishing this trail. So in a way, I was disappointed with myself for not having not being able to finish the, the hike 
but by the same time, I just loved to hike and I love you know love climbing. So it was a beautiful mountain to to hike, and it was for me. I got to share in a lot of the um, experiences of the other through hikers who were finishing. So when I did get up to the top, I even met some people I'd hiked with down south, and they were finishing their hike. So just to hear them talk about their hike and how they felt and what their plans were was was interesting. It's my the experience of my trail hike, and I've only hiked about two thirds of the trail, so it wasn't what it what, what it the journey it was for some other people. It was not what I planned it to be. It didn't end up being what I expected it to be. Katahdin's a very pretty mountain, uh, and especially on the eastern side, when you look off Katahdin off um, from the knife edge, it just it falls off right straight down to the to the floor. I don't want to say floor, but to the lake country, and it's just amazing how it just rises right up. And you look down on one side, and there's like a lake down in the bottom. And I remember I just sat up there for hours on one rock. I sat for like an hour, just sat there. I was just amazed with how beautiful it was and how peaceful. I didn't want to come down. I really wanted to stay up there and explore the ridges, you know, that, that went around to the east and everything. I, I definitely will go back. Katahdin's definitely on my list. Um, I might go back even this year just to hike Katahdin and do some other things in Maine. Thank you for listening to the Into Backpacking Podcast. This is your host, Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to this show, visit iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And give us a thumbs up or a positive comment while you're there. You can also download shows directly from intobackpacking.com. Just click the podcast tab on the main menu. Music for this show was provided by Jerris under a Creative Commons license and is titled Hillbilly Anarchy. This show is a production of Into Backpacking and is copyrighted by Into Ventures Inc. For more information on this podcast or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at intobackpacking.com. That's the letter N, the number two, backpacking.com.